I am tonight going to focus on a passage of scripture um, that met us near the beginning of this dynamic program. So can you turn with me, if you're able, or find in your devices, Genesis chapter 2. I'm going to read verse 7, and then I'm going to jump to read verses 15 through 19. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, then we're going to jump to verses 15 through 19. Reading from the New Revised Standard Version, feel free to follow along whatever version you have. Here is what it says. Then the Lord God formed Adam from the dust of the Adama and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the human became a living being. Jump to 15. It says, the Lord God took the Adam and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And the Lord God commanded Adam, saying, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. The Lord God said, it is not good for, the, for Adam, for the man, to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now the Lord God had formed out of the ground, Adama, all the wild animals and all the birds in the sky. He brought them to the man, to Adam, to see what he would name them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. Family, for a few minutes tonight, allow me to preach as you pray, and the Lord empower from the theme, work with me. Work with me. Can we be good Baptists tonight and turn to your neighbor and just tell them, work with me. Turn to, tell your other neighbor, work with me. Work with me. Work, work with, work with me. Sisters, brothers, friends, family, a little more than six weeks from now, the nation will observe the federal holiday called Labor Day. Citizens everywhere will observe the holiday by participating in cookouts, trips to the beach, shopping, and other leisurely activities. Labor Day signals the unofficial end of the summer vacation season and the return to rhythms around school, work, and so much more. 
these leisurely activities observed on Labor Day, however, represent a far cry from the roots of this national observance. As many of you have heard, many of you know, one of the stories of Labor's, Labor Day's roots go back to a workers' protest called the Pullman Strike. In 1894, thousands of factory employees and railroad workers of the Pullman Company walked off the job and even obstructed railway cars on the tracks affecting most rail lines west of Detroit, protesting low wages, long hours, and harsh working conditions. The federal government moved in attacking the workers and sparking a bloody uprising. When the dust cleared, 30 people were killed, and there was $80 million in damages done in the community. As a conciliatory move made during an election year, then-President Grover Cleveland made Labor Day a national holiday. And just in case anybody here is wondering what this has to do with our faith, you need to know that the Bible presents God as being concerned with the plight and progress of workers. If you don't believe me, turn to Deuteronomy 24, verse 14 and 15, which says, quote, you shall not withhold the wages of poor and needy laborers, whether other Israelites or aliens who reside in your land or in your towns. You shall pay them their wages daily before sunset because they are poor and their livelihood depends on them. Otherwise, they might cry to the Lord against you and you would incur guilt. If you need more, just check out what the prophet Isaiah has to say in chapter 58 about how the exploitation of workers creates a barrier to true worship. And in fact, the well-known story of the enslaved Hebrews in Egypt is a story rooted in the plot of harsh working conditions experienced by people who had no way to find relief. We should consider this as we hear the cries of groups like the Coalition of Immokalee Workers who are calling for a boycott of Wendy's based on their refusal to create better working conditions for U.S.-based farmers and tomato growers. Instead of doing right by farm workers here, Wendy's took their business to farm workers in Mexico where they feel they can continue to get away with corporate abuses. We should consider the pain of African Americans who work for a chicken giant Purdue and are forced to work in unsafe conditions and are regularly disrespected and seemingly have no help in sight. The list really could go on and on. Concern for the well-being of workers is not something we're adding on to the faith, but it is something that is already an aspect of our faith. And in fact, many churchgoers are experiencing hardships, outright discrimination, and wage disputes on their jobs 
as they come to church each and every Sunday to praise the Lord. And if the church was more aware of its responsibility to justice on the job, and if workers could understand their churches as a source of support, we'd see more houses of prayer working to support the laborers, not just on Sunday morning, but on Monday morning as well. As it stands now, many workers turn to labor unions in order to organize and advocate and create the ideal conditions for well-being, dignity, and fair pay. Unions are about working to better the conditions. Labor unions in capitalist systems, generally speaking, are grounded in the understanding that the creation of ideal working conditions are the responsibility of a partnership between management and the labor force that in working together, the optimal environment for success is achieved. In similar fashion, it should be understood that we also are invited into a partnership to create the ideal conditions for optimal living. As people of faith, we are not mindless passengers on a runaway locomotive called life, but we are invited to share in the creation of ordained optimal conditions. And wouldn't you know it, the one who is inviting our partnership in the process of improving the conditions of life is none other than Almighty God. Amen. Beloved, the Almighty Creator is sending and has sent a persistent message to humanity, and that message is summed up in three words, work with me. The unfortunate reality is that down through the years there has been a dangerous mix-up in the message that we receive from God versus the message that we send to God. God sends the divine message to us, work with me. But for far too long we've been turning to God and saying, work for me. God says to us, work with me. Too many of us have been turning to God and saying, work for me. Beloved, herein lies the first labor dispute of human existence. <laughs> slight, slight difference of words, but big difference in meaning. Work for me smacks of an understanding that God will do it all for you. We ignore our own agency and absolve ourselves of responsibility to partner with God in the co being, as being co-creators with God in our reality. Some struggle to take ownership of the condition or the outcome. But from the very beginning of the biblical record, we have evidence of God saying to humanity, work with me. As we turn to the end of this week, we return to a text that Nate so expertly laid out for our consideration near the start of the week. Nate helped us to see the connection between ourselves and the ground upon which we stand, showing the link between the work for humanity, I'm sorry, the word for humanity and the word ground in the original language. Adam and Andamai showing that link and that connection. But Nate, as I dig a little deeper in this passage tonight, I am inspired by what peeks from behind the curtain of the words on the page. 
For what I see in the context of this same story is an exciting, inspiring, and uplifting insight on the character of the divine. Because in this passage, I see the divine message work with me. It's right there in the text. And in this text, soon after God creates Adam and places Adam in the Garden of Eden, then God begins to engage in behavior that excites my soul. Three quick things, I'll be out of your way. In this short passage, I'm inspired by the thought that one, God desires your partnership. In verse 7 of the text, it's very clear that God created a garden and then created a tender of that garden, someone who would tend to, rather, that garden, that God desired the partnership of somebody. For though we traditionally view and read these early biblical passages and focus on the link and relation between Adam and Eve, there is something to be said about how the scriptures present God here. God is presented as one who desired partnership, not as one who necessarily needed partnership. But we already have read in the scriptures about a God who could open up the divine mouth and based on the exciting timber of the divine voice, call things into creation. Powerful enough just to speak a word. And after the speaking of the word, things would come into being as the divine voice danced upon the airwaves a primordial existence. God is not presented as one who necessarily needed partnership, but God is presented in this text as somebody who desired partnership, who wanted somebody to work with the divine, intending what was created. And really, I could stop the sermon, go ahead and pack my bags and go on home right there. Because when I think about the fact that God desired us, that we are the object of God's desire, when you realize that you are the manifestation of the desire of God, it does something to me deep down on the inside. That God created you because God wanted you. <laughs> that God desired you, God longed for you. And I don't know who I may be speaking to tonight, but when I think about the fact that I'm in company with people who have regularly received the poison of messages suggesting that you're not good enough, that you're not adequate, that you're not gifted enough, that your sins and your struggles have disqualified you from engaging in the divine activity and holy work with the Lord, when I consider that I'm sitting with people who have regularly had to encourage yourself when this whole world has sent messages of doubt and disagreement with your being but then I turn to the pages of the Holy Writ and I read about a God who wanted me, who desired me who manifested the divine will to bring me to pass I don't know about anybody else but when I think about the fact that God wanted me to be here Good God have mercy. 
it stirs something deep down on the inside. And just in case you need to hear it again, here comes your flavor, Flav, your hype man once more at the end of the week to say God didn't, didn't want you to know that you're just an accident. No, you are a part of the divine plan. God wanted you. God needed you. God wanted to partner with you, and you are here on purpose. Come on, make me feel at home and tell your neighbor you're here on purpose. God, God, God desires, God, God desires you. But, but, but not, not only that, not only that, watch this. Second thing, God made you for this mission. Ah, watch, watch this. God created a garden and then made somebody to work with God in tending the garden. That God, God formed Adam, Adam in such a way that he was fit for partnership with the divine. God understood the mission at hand. God understood the situation present. And with full knowledge of the circumstances and the situation, God formed somebody who was fit to properly address the situation that was created. In other words, your existence is tied to a set of circumstances that you are fully able to rectify because God not only created you, but God orchestrated the setting of the table for the scenario in which you were planted. In other words, the scenario and the setting in which you are planted is the one that God knew about before you were an idea in your mama's mind or a gleam in your daddy's brain. Understand that you are brought into being and you were made for the specific mission that is before you. In other words, you are God's response to a situation in need of proper stewardship. I'm going to say it again. You are God's response to a situation in need of proper stewardship. That when God was looking at the situation before God, God fashioned a you to steward the stuff that you're standing in right now. You are God's remedy for unrighteousness. You are God's answer for a situation that just won't act right. You are God's idea for changing a scenario that needs to be addressed. You are what God came up with when God needed somebody to line things up, to fix things right, and to make things work in the way that they needed to work. You are the, the same God who placed every star in the sky. The same God who causes the waves to roll. The same God who knows the exact time of how much sunshine and how much moonlight that we need. That God said, out of all of my creation, out of the masterpiece of what I brought about, I am clear that I need to create a you in order to steward what it is that I've created. Mm. Lord. Huh? God made you for this. I need, to, I need to speak because all week long you've been here getting excited and built up. You've been here getting your spirit fed, but we got to go home soon. 
And I need to let you know that when you go home, the adversary is waiting to slip seeds of doubt in your spirit. I need to let you know when you climb down from this mountain, when you get to your front door, there is something that will be waiting there for you to pull you right back into a dead-end mentality and keep you stuck in your scenario. I'm just your hype man letting you know that you are made for this mission. Don't you let no devil, devil in hell block you from what God is calling you to do. You, you should stick your chest out a little bit more and say, I was made for this. <laughs> you, you, you should walk around with a whole lot more spiritual swag in your spirit because you were made for this. You should be the one who should be patting yourself on your own back and popping your own collar because you were made for this. Good God have mercy. You were made for it. I'm going to my seat for the first time. But as I go to my seat, I need to remind you that God desires your partnership. I need to remind you that God made you for your mission. And finally, I need to let you know that God empowers you to make your reality right. Let me say it again. God empowers you to make your reality right. Scripture says, and Rob, this tripped me out. Scripture says, watch this, crazy. God formed the animals, the birds of the air, the animals of the ground. And Scripture says that after God formed the animals, then God brought them to Adam. Then Adam named what God brought. And whatever Adam named it, God agreed and co-signed Adam's conclusion. Listen, listen, listen. Okay, don't, don't, don't throw me out yet. It is, it's in the book. The, the book, the book says. The Lord God formed out of the ground, Adamah, all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky, and God brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature, that was its name. The scripture suggests that we are co-creators with the creator. And therefore, the reality that we want to see in part comes from what we call the stuff in front of us. Ah, good, good God have mercy. Huh. Other hands may be in the pot of your circumstances, but ultimately God says, if you work with me, I'll give you the power to name your reality and make it right and righteous. Scripture says God brought Adam the animals, then stepped back and listened to what Adam called it. 
and then whatever Adam said, the very one who created the thing agreed with Adam on what Adam said. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Okay. Okay, fine. That, 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 that should do something to your tongue tonight. <laughs> you, 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 you should speak differently now about the reality in which you stand. You, you, your language should change because you recognize now there's some power in your tongue to speak over your own situation. So I need to help somebody. No, 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 no. You wasn't laid off. You were on extended vacation and sabbatical. I had to change my language. No, no, uh-uh, no, no, no. She ain't, he ain't dumped me. I saw and pursued greater and higher options for my life and needed to declutter my personal life to make room for what's next. No, 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 no. I ain't broke. I'm resourceful. I got to change. I need to change what I'm saying about what I'm going through because perhaps God is listening to what you call it. And whatever you call it, God is ready to agree with you on what you're saying. Good God, have mercy. All right, I'm done. I'm going to sit down somewhere. But I got to tell you, Dr. Monica White, she blessed our lives this week in so many ways. One of the things that spoke to my spirit in her presentation a few days ago, and even today, she repeated it. She talked about prefigurative politics. She talked about being in a posture where you arrange, organize, and act as if the arrangement that you want to happen is gonna happen. And so instead of waiting for that socio-political dynamic to come to full expression, before you even get there, you posture yourself like it is going to unravel so that by the time it arrives, you'll be well acquainted with the arrangement. Now that might be a socio-political grassroots organizing terminology. But it should not be strange to the ears of our faith. It should not be foreign to the pillars of our spiritual understanding. Because for a long time, we've had to engage in prefigurative spirituality. For a long time, we've had to posture ourselves in such a way where the things in front of us did not seem to lift us up. But we come from people who said we walk by faith and not by sight. We come from a people who were able to look at a terrible situation and still say one of these old days, it's gonna make sense in the by and by. They would say things like, Father, along we are, know all about it. 
and Father alone will understand why. They said, cheer up my brother, live in the sunshine. We'll understand it, we'll understand it by and by. I came to help somebody with some prefigurative politics that when you go back to Oakland, when you go back to Sag Nasty, when you get back to Carolina, that what you see before you may not look like what you feel in your spirit, but I dare you in the name of Jesus to walk by faith. I dare you in the name of Jesus to walk with some pride and remember what the word says. The word says whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. All I'm saying is you got the power to transform your reality. I just want to remind you that Jesus said if you got faith the size of a mustard seed you can speak to a mountain and say get on out of here and the mountain will be removed to the sea because with faith nothing will be impossible for you I'm just here to tell you that God wants to work with you God wants to partner with you God wants to align with you to transform your situation you still don't believe me Come here, Moses. Moses would say, I work with God, and because I work with God, God put me in a position to serve my people, and I stood in front of an impossible situation, but still those waters divided because I decided to work with God. Samson, come here, boy. Samson would say that I work with God. Even after I thought my own strength would carry me through. But when I was bald-headed and blind down in the dungeon, the Bible says that Samson called on the name of the Lord and said, give me one more shot. And God partnered with him. Come here, Esther. Esther said, I just got the job in the palace but my people were suffering and I decided to partner with God and because I partnered with God I was an instrument for the salvation of my people come here Hebrew boys Shadrach Meshach and a bad Negro they said we partnered with God and because we partnered with God God met us in a fire and made sure we would survive. Come here, Paul and Silas. They said we were locked up in jail. They threw away the key, but we started singing and praying in prison. And all we know is that the jail started shaking and it opened up the prison doors all because we partnered with God. I'm just here to remind you that God is saying, work with me. Work with me, work with me, work with me. I got you, I'm with you, I'll empower you, I'll fight with you, work with me. Ain't God all right? Can I do it one time? Say yeah! Ain't God all right? Say yeah! Say yeah! Yeah! 